We're on the edge of the Loxley Valley, on the outskirts of Sheffield, the city where I was born and brought up. A few minutes from the rows of terraced and semi-detached houses, you're out in the countryside with spectacular views over this wooded valley where Robin Hood was reputed to have been born, hence Robin of Loxley, and where agriculture turned to industry and back again. Sheffield has been a magnet for many folk musicians and we're here to meet one of them, John Bowden, former lead singer of the big band Bellowhead and a top folk mover and shaker who has no fewer than 11 Radio 2 Folk Awards on his mantelpiece or in his loo or wherever he keeps them. He's a multi-instrumentalist, a singer of both traditional songs and his own compositions. And he lives in the Loxley Valley with his partner, the singer Faye Heald, and their two children. But last night, we caught up with him in the village hall in nearby Dungworth. I've had a fantastic pie this evening. I've had the minced beef and onion quite pie, special, John, the, yeah, the at the Royal Hotel the Royal, yes, yes, in Dungworth here. Famous. And now I've walked up the road to meet you here in the village hall. Yes. Uh, and there are a load of chairs set round. What are yeah. the chairs here for? Well, so we started up a um, village choir a couple of years ago to um, help support the village hall, which was struggling a bit for income. So we give all the money to the village hall and have a bit of a sing on a Monday night and then go to the pub and do the quiz. So right. It's, it's <laughs> very civilised. wonderful. And what sort of repertoire are you are you learning? Well, we um, do quite a lot of the carols that are sung at the Royal um, from uh, November onwards. There's a regular sing. There's or, a thing called the Sheffield Carols, Sheffield isn't carols, there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you explain about that? Well, it's a pretty massive thing, um, particularly in this this area of Sheffield. There's a kind of network of pubs that sing this strange repertoire of carols that aren't sung anywhere else, you know. And they're all old carols. They're all from before uh, all the carols got sort of tidied up and sanitised by the Victorians exactly, weren't exactly. they yeah, yeah. I also run a little folk club at the Royal once a month with Faye and we do some of the repertoire that we sing there regularly. Because you have the same repertoire on a regular basis in that folk club, don't yes. you? So newcomers can get yes. used to it quite quickly. Yeah, we call them the house songs and uh, it's, it's six folk songs that we sing every club night, um, sort of between the performers performing. We just all kind of pile in and sing these big chorus songs. Um, so yeah, so the choir have been learning those songs as well to kind of feed into that. So the choir now sort of all hang out in the corridor and on folk club night and uh, <laughs> sing, sing as a kind of group from there, which is really nice. Worship, oh come and let us worship Christ. 
It's an absolutely beautiful morning and the sun is shining brightly. There's just a little wisp of cloud, but mostly blue sky. And we're walking down the lane towards John Bowden's house. And on both sides of us now is a patchwork quilt of fields and some small woodland and dips in the countryside. And you can see for miles and miles and miles Morning. Yes, nice to see you again. Yes, and you. Yes, um, do you want to head straight out then? Yeah, we're ready to go, yeah. Okay, let's go. I'm glad to see you've got your guitar. It's, yes. Uh, you've got it in a rucksack. And what, a, what an amazing day for a walk. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Which way should we go? Let's go this way first, I think. Okay. So, John, what, what brought you to this particular place? We started off in Sheffield itself, and then we were looking to buy somewhere. And... Um, we came out, just fell in love with it, and then realised that it was the next village on from Dungworth, which we had been to for the for the carols. Um, and I'm guessing that when you came here with Faye, you fell in love with this view because it is quite is, a spectacular it landscape. Is, it's, it is. I think you, you talk a lot about countryside views, you know, and sort of people, estate agents and stuff. What I love about here is that we're in the countryside, looking out over the city. And where are you going to take us today? Well, so we're going to sort of zigzag zag up and down the valley, I think, to begin with, because this particular valley is where I spend a lot of time wandering around. Wonderful, let's get going. Is this a valley a place that has inspired you? I'm thinking about your album Songs from the Floodplain because there is a famous event that took place here, the Great Sheffield Flood in the 1800s. Tell me about that. Yes, well it's quite a dramatic and devastating event and it's um, still very much remembered. Well, the the dam burst up up the valley at midnight and flooded the whole valley with no warning. Uh, We're going to cross up here actually over this, Over over this, this style. And yes, several hundred people confirmed dead. And it's, it's part of the fabric of the valley, I think. I don't know whether I sort of imagine it, but there is a somberness about the Loxley Valley that, that I've, I've always felt, and I don't know if that's partly a sort of folk memory of that event. Let, let's get over the style, yes. and then I'll, I'll ask you some more about that. And did that somberness rub off on you when you were thinking about writing the songs from the floodplain? It's, it's funny, I think that the title Songs from the Floodplain, I wasn't particularly thinking of that flood. I was certainly thinking of this valley. So I think it maybe all kind of got mixed up in there in my head because it's also the figurative sense of flood, as in, you know, the idea of the flood as the sort of end of times. Going down to the wasteland, going down where the wild dogs go. Where the raven feeds and the blind man leads and the oil-black rivers flow. Going down to the wasteland when the village is wrapped in sleep. To the broken town where the sirens sound and the oil-black shadows creep. Going down through the wild woods when the evening shadows fall Prying eyes from the factory But the night fall cover all And the old ways hide under bush and briar The old walls glisten with razor wire And, and you're laying out really a sort of post-apocalyptic future, aren't you? I mean, you're looking yes. for, for a world where oil has run out and... We're all back to a rural and yes. perhaps more visceral existence. Yes. Do you have a dark fear about the future? Well, it kind of started like that, I think, because I started writing it quite shortly after becoming a father, I think, and it started all the kind of news 
took on, you know, so when you listen to the news and hearing about all the sort of scary stuff that we as a species are doing to ourselves, and it's it kind of got suddenly even more scary becoming a father because suddenly you're then thinking about 70 years into the future. What am I going to leave uh, you, to my children? Exactly, and grandchildren and that sort of stuff. So that maybe took me on a sort of somber note. But then as I started thinking about it, what, what actually drew me to it was more the the positive side of it actually which is that the resilience of us as a species and the fact that a lot of the stuff that we're doing to ourselves we're doing for the sake of comfort and for the sake of luxury and actually if things were to work out so that we lost all that comfort and that luxury but we didn't completely destroy ourselves (laughs) then actually there's a lot of positives there's a lot of ways in which things could you know, could actually get better, and we could we could learn from our mistakes. And uh, so, I, I basically through the process of writing the album, became sort of more optimistic. Actually, hear the beating heart of the fool who seeks the devil's hands, going down to the wasteland when the village is wrapped in sleep, to the broken town where the sirens sound and the oil black shadows creep. Smell the fires of the city Where dreamers lie like burnt-out cars Try to keep to the shadows For the wild pack prowl in the underpass And the mud is thick with ash and oil Three rivers meet and the waters boil Do you have a kind of nostalgia for a simpler rural way of life? I suppose I do, yes. I mean, I, I was always drawn to history and uh, you know I got into folk song I think because of that thing it does where you can actually live in the you know in the 19th century for for an hour whilst you're listening to an album as a very direct route into that historical experience you know I, I came from that sort of historical I suppose you could call it nostalgia yes I studied history but then I've but, never been drawn to writing historical stuff, though. But um, interestingly, you're writing in a way about the future, aren't you? I'm writing you? the future, but it was a bit of a eureka moment because I've always been a songwriter, but then I got into traditional song and I, was, I think I was always looking for a way to bring the two things together, but because I had no real interest in writing songs about history, I don't, I don't know why, it just never, it's never excited me and I had no particular interest in writing about the present day or, you know, about myself in the present day. And so there was a sort of eureka moment where I thought actually this is something I'm really interested in and then it ties the past together with the future and in a way with the present as well because it's all about what we're doing uh, now. Uh, so we, we need to go, go over this now. wall. Yes, yeah. yep. This is quite a... There's some... Uh, the styles around here are a sort of variety of uh, <laughs> states of dilapidation, some of them, so yeah. Well, this be is be a careful bone, on this one. This stone wall, basically. It's a bit, yeah, yeah. Hear the beating heart of the fool who seeks the devil's hand Going down to the wasteland Going down where the wild dogs go Where the raven feeds and the blind man leads And the oil black rivers flow Going down to the wasteland When the village is wrapped in sleep To the broken town where the sirens sound And the oil black shadows creep So what was your route into folk music? I mean, was it something that your family listened to? Because we've had, heard that story from quite a few people. Yeah, um, I mean, I grew up not in a folky household, but I did, my parents did have, um, 
you know, some Steel Eye Span records and uh, Planksley records and that sort of stuff. So it was there in the mix. Actually got kicked out of one school band for suggesting that we do a Steel Eye Span cover. Uh, <laughs> Not cool. So that that Not was the cool. end of my rock career. Um, um, so when did it become a thing for you, if you like? Which we need to bear, bear to the, the right, right here. We're going up over that stuff. Um, the tractor going across the field as well. Um, so yeah, I got really into Irish music as a, as a teenager and it's a magical moment, um, aged about 16, uh, managed to get a, a small bursary from Hampshire County Council to go over to Ireland uh, for a summer school at uh, the Willie Clancy Summer School in Milltown Malby, which is quite a famous event. And I'd sort of been to a few local folk sessions, but you know, only a handful really. And, and what were you playing at that time? I fancied myself as a, as a piper, so I'd got a set of... Uh, well, the Ulean pipes. pipes yeah. yeah. So I was quite quite impressed with my piping ability until I arrived in Ireland. <laughs> 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 some, one or two people were quite good. Well, it wasn't so much the people, it was more the, the, the six-year-olds and seven-year-olds <laughs> <laughs> lining the streets playing like Liam O'Flynn, you know. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, that was quite a humbling experience. But the magical experience was arriving there by myself and just walked into a pub and uh, you know the, the pub was just full of probably 40 extraordinary musicians all playing just tune after tune no music no anything you know and, and I couldn't join in you know I kind of went feeling quite cocky about my <laughs> musical abilities and I got there and I just couldn't join in because I did I knew three tunes and that was it you know so that was sort of the moment I was like this is what I want to do I want to be actually be able to join in with that <laughs> uh, we need to go over this yeah this style now so this okay. is another slightly Tricky one. No problem. I think what, what what did it was that I at some point discovered English folk music and I started thinking that maybe actually I didn't have to sort of pretend to be Irish. What are the songs that come to mind when you epitomise well, that? It's the songs and it's the singers as well. I mean, I think some of the earliest singers that I found I could I could emulate without altering my voice too much were people like John Tams and Bill Caddock and Martin Carthy. There's a song on uh, the wonderful Lark Rise to Candleford uh, album which was made for a stage show which is uh, sung by by Bill Caddock but it's also sung at the Royal Hotel for carols. They're abroad for pleasure is one of my sort of first songs I really felt I was able to sing. Will you sing it for us yeah, as we walk along? Yeah, absolutely. Abroad for pleasure as I was walking it was on a summer, summer calm and clear. There I beheld a most beautiful damsel lamenting for a shepherd dear. Lamenting for her shepherd dear. No more to yon green banks will I take thee with pleasure for to rest myself and view the lands. But I will take me to yon green gardens where the pretty flowers grow. Where the pretty, pretty flowers grow. Actually, it's not a very good example, that, is it? Because it's in Derbyshire dialect, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not... Well, it's very I probably have sung you a Hampshire song, but I don't know many Hampshire songs, sadly. <laughs> um, right, where to go? I think... Oh, there's a horse, yeah. Let's go... Two horses. Let's go down this way a bit. So let's go... Yeah, these horses are a little bit... Um, friendly? A bit friendly, yeah. <laughs> they tend to... I think they're quite they territorial and they, they don't okay. particularly... Uh, well, we'll let you go first. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> the company. Yeah. 
So this, we're now sort of heading down into what I think of as the valley. So this is, we're into the, the, the access land and we're, we're coming down to where the factories, the big factory was. What um, big factory is that? So this is an old uh, brickworks factory. It was making thermal bricks up until, I think, the 80s. For the inside of the blast furnaces That's in right. the steel industry in Sheffield. That's right, because there was, there was a lot of mining in this area as well, so there's a lot of clay mines dotted around. In, in this incredibly rural landscape where we just passed some horses and there are sheep and cows and all the yeah. rest of it, there was a, a big industry yeah. as well. I think that's what I love about this valley is, is that mix. There's a kind of um, industrial heart to it uh, alongside this sort of unkempt beauty of, of the countryside. And we're going through the wood now. The woods sort of come in around us as we go down the bottom yeah. of the slope towards yeah. the river, presumably. Yes, and it, um, yes. Which river is this? Uh, this is the so Loxley, Loxley River. river. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I think, well, what should we do? I'm thinking of the most uh, dramatic way to, to reveal the factory to you. It's probably down this way. Okay. Um, a few years ago, well, when we moved here, the, the factory was uh, much more open and available in terms of it was fenced off, but half the fences were down, so you could kind of see right into it. Um, it's more recently been kind of made a bit safer and they've put the fences up more and, and knocked down some of the really extraordinary old buildings um, which I think is a real shame actually. It's a magical thing watching nature reclaim you know. Man-made landscape. Man -made, yeah exactly yeah and I'm, I've always been more drawn to landscapes that have that mix I like places where there's ruins and there's you know a motorway coming through it somewhere or do you know what I mean I like that mix of uh, of man and nature it's that's for me is the most sort of potent thing let's over, let's the, get style. over the style yeah so here we are that's the first view of the the factory there right um, so just over the trees we can see a dilapidated building it looks like some corrugated iron in there yeah. as well yeah um, some rusty struts holding it up was it a single story building or a no, there's, well, you'll see it. I mean, it's, it's enormous. It's an enormous old site. So, yes, as I, I say... I want to walk down towards yeah, it now. Yeah, we'll, we'll head on down. You can just sort of, when you're in a place like this, in an abandoned place with nature reclaiming, it's very easy to just think of what's going to happen after you've left and what, what you, you will leave behind and how nature will reclaim the footprint that you've made. <laughs> and um, it's a funny mix of the past and it, it does sort of draw me forwards into the future as well. So here we are, here's the river. And uh, now you can look up through the gaps in the, in the corrugated walls. And uh, I mean, these window frames hanging off uh, with smashed glass and uh, yeah, looking up through into the main side of the factory. What I quite like about it around here is there's a lot of rubbish. But I like the, the stuff that's just sort of decaying alongside the factory. But this bit down here is I've always found this really magical and particularly how all the detritus collects in this, the sort of little whirlpools and eddies and roots of the, of the trees. And there's one song in particular that I wrote, you know, about this place. Yeah, so there's the old machinery from the weir. I don't think this is functional anymore, but because there's a lot of greenery around at the moment, you can't see so much rubbish. But in the winter, there's all sorts of interesting bits of uh, What detritus. do you call an interesting bit of detritus? Do you mean a bit of wood or a bit of iron? Oh, or a yeah, bit of... well, you'll hear in the song, I suppose. So, <laughs> okay, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you it that way. So this is uh, April Queen. Sweet rappers in the whirlpool 
plastic gems in dappled light cellophane like precious pearls aluminium shining bright trinkets I bring to my sweetheart among the leaves so green Built her a throne like a magpie's nest And crown her the April Queen Plastic bags in green and gold Coiled around the willow Broken glass that shines like fire Rusted cans and leather boots Trinkets I bring to my sweetheart Among the leaves so green Built her a throne like a magpie's nest and crown her the April Queen Dressed in rags and shining things Dystopian eyes and vagabond lips Tinfoil braids and plastic rings Thimbles on her fingertips Trinkets I bring to my sweetheart Among the leaves so green Built her a throne like a magpie's nest And crown her the April Trinkets I bring to my sweetheart Among the leaves so green Built her a throne like a magpie's nest And crown her the April Queen Couldn't be more appropriate sitting in front of this pot noodle, no. could it? <laughs> <laughs> that was That's wonderful, it. John. Thank, Thank you, you very much indeed. The vision you conjure up there is of the, that these small things become really valuable in a world where there is nothing else. That's it. The, the, you know, seeing the beauty in small things and the beauty in rubbish, um, you know, and I think you, we take a lot of stuff for granted because it, we're just surrounded by it, but in a world where you couldn't go and buy a can of Coke from the shop, actually a Coke can shining in the river might be quite a kind of magical thing. Mm. Shall we walk on? Let's carry on, yeah. Are we going to walk along the river now, yeah, John? Yeah, so we're carrying on the river and we're walking along the opposite side of the bank from the factory and the, you'll see that the factory really carries on a very long way, so we'll, we'll follow it along. I always think it must have been amazing coming down here to work, you know, to come and spend a day in a heavy industrial environment, but arriving here through the woods by this really beautiful river and uh, I guess tea breaks out on, on the riverbank and stuff. So this is um, a bit of a tricky 
way around. So you if you're not, the yeah, you know, I'll show. I'll go and show you. So. Okay. I'm gonna have to be careful here because my guitar is going to catch on the trailing ivy and <laughs> <laughs> little wall of ivy, trailing ivy, ivy there. Yeah, we're good. Uh, go so through yeah, it. Maybe go through the, yeah, the cur curtain of ivy. <laughs> yeah. I'll hold it to one side. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh yes. Um, through a sort of slightly frightening coloured uh, sludge. I don't want to eat any of that. And you can see the weeds coming up through the concrete path here, can't you? Yes, yeah. The gaps between the path have been taken over and the moss is starting to spread. I love that how it sort of it kind of eats the concrete, doesn't it? It's sort of yeah. gradually digesting it. So yeah, we can see into the dark depths of the Actually, the wall on actually the walls on both sides have disappeared, and the the roof is still there. But the guttering is full of grass and yes. plants growing yeah. above our heads. Yeah. So yeah, we can come in through here, and here we can see the old kiln for firing the bricks. And, uh, and then the the bare skeleton of the roof beams, the steel roof beams. Yes. There without the roof. Yeah. Is a wonderful silhouette against the blue sky. It's incredible, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. It's it's like they're sort of still here somehow, you know that thing of um, of the but the ghosts of the people who used to work here. So it seems sort of, quite present. sort of Marie Celeste like, isn't it? Yeah. You know, they've just gone. I just I think it's it's just magnificent. This brick wall here, there's a long brick wall of the factory held up by iron girders, and then just at the end, it's sort of collapsed into a heap, and yeah. the trees are sprouting up. Yes, it's like it's just eventually exhaled and sort of uh, laid itself down gently. So I thought this might be a good spot to... There's an old chair here. Sing you a song. Yeah, I don't know if I trust that chair enough to sit on it. <laughs> but, uh, what is it? It's an old barrow, a wheelbarrow, actually, isn't it? It looks pretty sturdy, actually. Maybe not. <laughs> it's a bit wobbly. It might stand. There's a, a hole with pipework coming up out of the water. It's beautiful, it. isn't it? I love this how the water just sits. It's sort of Venetian. <laughs> well, in your imagination, yes, in my John. Imagination. <laughs> Some people might say it's like a bit of twisted old metal and a few yeah, bricks, but yeah. in your imagination, it's a, it's a work of art. It's a work of art. The news was on the church house door And all over the valley A storm cloud brewing in the and wildfire in the cities And all night long the hammers rang And those who could were leaving And those who stayed have gone to ground And talk is harsh and fleeting And all that I can think about Is wood smoke in the valley Kisses in the fallout shelter Dancing in the factory That closed so long ago And no one ever goes there now Wow. This is a whole rusty electrical fitting 
about um, a yard and a half wide and a yard high that's fallen onto the ground and you can see the fronts come off it and the cables are exposed uh, and then these great big industrial heavy switches which still work John. Wow, you can see that, that, that's still that's when you press it wow. in it still comes out <laughs> again out. what does it say on there push start push start okay wow oh, press the combustion, combustion. button. i really <laughs> have to press a button that says combustion let's yeah, see can't. what happens stand back everybody <laughs> we cling to words like children and we seek for hidden meaning long after sense has ceased to be and reason is receding but words have torn this world apart and left us stooped and pleading we shovel dust and we hide our hopes and we wrap ourselves in dreaming it's a very large picture of a girl in a white dress with bright red lips. And um, it looks like a bomb, actually. It looks like one of those old-fashioned bombs in yeah. a, the Peter Sellers film, doesn't it? You know, yes. It looks like with the fuse um, and the circular bomb in her hands. She's holding it like it's an apple, isn't she? Yes. It's like she's proffering an apple. And all that I can think about is wood smoke in the valley Kisses in the fallout shelter Dancing in the factory That closed so long ago And no one ever goes there now no, There's a shell of an old television there, I don't know. Okay. I don't remember seeing that before, but... Uh... With the screen smashed. Tonight the curfew bells ring out Across the shrouded valley And all the candles flicker out And the shadows claim their quarry But I will take the blackthorn path Across the parish boundary Where the ivy and barbed wire entwine And the leaves fall all around me And maybe I will catch the scent Of wood smoke in the valley Find kisses in the fallout shelter Dancing in the factory That closed so long ago And no one ever goes there now I must say, John, I was really hoping you were going to sing that for us today because it's one of my favourite songs from the album. And the thing that always moves me is the, is the words, kisses in the fallout shelter. Because uh -huh, yeah. it's like you're asserting humanity over this right. horrible world. Yeah. You know, we forget that all the things that we need are actually there for us. You know, whatever the circumstances, really, we sort of just need each other. And um, it's, a, it's a hopeful thought, that, I think.
I may be able to show you the fallout shelter itself later on, actually. That's around the corner. OK. But, um, yeah. Let's step through this broken blue door yes. with the bits of wood hanging off it. And Say goodbye to the factory. Out of the factory. Yeah. Where are we going to head to now? Uh, well, we head back onto the footpath and uh, I'm going to take you up into the woods, into uh, Beacon Woods. We've talked a lot about your own compositions, but obviously folk song is enormously important to you and it was yes. enormously important with Bellowhead. Yes. And, and I have to say about Bellowhead that it looked like the most enormous fun. Did it, you really enjoy it? It really was, actually. It would be difficult to overstate how much fun it is to be the lead singer of Bellowhead <laughs> on stage. <laughs> it was wonderful being on stage as a collective. You know, there, there's 11 of us making all the decisions and that meant that when we were on stage, we all owned the stage. It did mean that the rest of the time, making decisions was <laughs> really was difficult. Cause you to... Decisions by committee are never easy, oh, are God, they? Oh, God, no. It was, I mean, it, we never fell out about it, but it's just endless discussions about everything. So. <laughs> there's a theatricality about a lot of your work. Bellahead seemed yeah. to be the, the typical, typical thing. You know, there was a theatricality about the performances and the yes. energy about them. You know, and you've worked in theatre as well, yes, haven't you? Theatre is yes. something you're really keen on and Well, I started off wanting to do that. Yeah, that was my job plan when I left university, was to uh, try and compose for theatre, not realising that you have to compose for film if you want to earn a living. So <laughs> right. um, but anyway, yeah, I was very into theatre. And again, part of that kind of team thing, I love that sort of team vibe you get with a theatre production. Actually, almost more when you're doing it in an amateur context. You know, I loved student theatre. I suppose because, for me, music is in its rawest state and its most sort of pleasurable state is sitting around a table in a pub playing and singing. So I sort of feel if you're going to wrench it out of that environment and stick it on a stage, you might as well do it properly. You know, you might as well make a show out of it and, um, and think about the visuals and think about how the audience are going to experience it because... Because if you're just going to play music, I, for me, I'd, I'd rather just sit around a table and do it than, uh, than present it. Um, but if you're going to put a show together, that's a sort of different thing. So to, to talk about folk song, and one of the things that you did in Bellowhead was that you had these sessions mm. quite routinely after the gig yes. where you'd go to a local pub and you'd send a tweet or something and say, we're going to this pub, you know, yeah. come and join us. Yes. Uh, presumably, often, quite a lot of people did yes. join you. Yes. What was the point of that for you? I think, again, it's that thing of, of when you take any kind of music, but particularly folk music, and you put it on a stage and you put that fourth wall down and you make a show out of it and always have that ba some sort of barrier between you as the performer and the audience so for me it was always very important to also be making folk music and make and, and folk song and that for me is is actually as much about context as about material it's about where you do it and why you do it and how you do it and you do it with other people you, yeah. not just at a performer audience but exactly. as a group in a community yes yeah, so it was interesting some of these sessions we'd go and we'd as you say tweet about it and people would turn up and we'd get there because we had to get changed and stuff so we get there and sometimes you'd get there and the pub that we'd sort of notified of our intention <laughs> would have put a little stage up for us you know and we'd get there and go no that's really not what we're doing, you know, just on a table, we can sit around and ideally a jug of beer if possible. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so there's just an automatic assumption and, and also from the audience that what they were coming for was a second concert and That's to sort of the get idea. there it's like this isn't we're not this isn't a concert this is a session and would you like to sing a song and people are like whoa <laughs> <laughs> really and did no. people bring yeah. instruments in the end and, and and perform yeah people 
brought instruments, but people did sing as well. I mean, that's almost more magical because when you get someone coming on to a thing like that and they maybe weren't expecting it to happen and then they hear that there's this thing going on in the pub and they go, I do know that song that I haven't sung for 20 years. Maybe I could sing that. And then they sing it and then you would know that they hadn't done this before or it was, uh, it was an un- unusual experience for them. And, and it was so special for everyone, I think, in that kind of context. And there's a huge power, as we found out last night listening to you with your local choir, Yeah, there's a huge power in communal singing, isn't there? Yeah. You know, I could just feel it in my gut. Just yeah. as these people who've come from their work and, you know, in the village around and all the rest of it get together in a village hall with you yeah. and start to sing, you suddenly feel a lift in your it's, spirits. It's, it's visceral. My father's dead, my mother's left with my children I think it is a, a very fundamental part of, of being human. It's like laughter. It's if you don't, you know, if you don't laugh, you're sort of missing out on a big part of what makes you human. And if you don't sing, you are as well. And you are quite happy to be playing in front of five thousand people one moment, and then in the village hall with six people the next. That doesn't phase you in any way. No, it's sort of like two different things. It's and I felt that with Bellahead. I felt that when I was on stage, I was playing. Not playing a role, but I was becoming a sort of different version of myself, and that allowed me to do the whole lead singer thing and do silly dancing, and all, you, you know, yeah. play a part, you know. And it's um, and then I feel when I'm singing in a pub, I'm my, you know, that's 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 me, that's me myself. Why does it matter to you to keep passing this music on, to keep having your sessions in the Royal Hotel where you teach people this tradition? It. For me, what matters is the doing of it and uh, the you know the context of it. The the material I worry about less, to be honest. I'm not someone who thinks it's really important that we keep singing songs from 200 years ago. It's not about preserving the material. What the material allows you to do is preserve the activity of singing together because it's designed for it. It's it's really good for singing together, and there are lots of modern songs that are as well and they're just as valid but that's for me that's that's the importance of it and it's lovely to be a part of that continuum of folk song going back hundreds of years and so that's very important to me as well but the most important thing is that people keep singing We've just come actually alongside a lake now with loads of uh, ducks. I think I saw a swan. You've got a high road. Low. Uh, oh, either, the low road either. here. Let's do the low road. The low road, okay. So we're coming out to the fallout shelter here. Unfortunately, health and safety's got involved and you can't get actually inside it. You used to be able to get inside it, but... Uh, so what's the story of well, it? Was I don't, it, was I it don't an air raid know. shelter from I the wall? I think it must be. You can hear it. see it's just sort of tunnelled into a little hillock. 
So it's like a sort of hobbit house, isn't it? The, with a yeah. small door just and the two brick walls just going under a tree. It literally looks as though the tree's growing out of the top of it, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it's an amazing thing. And it, it, you, until recently, you could get inside it and it, it tunnels down into the hillock a little bit. Let's walk on. Well, we're coming up now actually to a, an interesting feature which you would easily pass by and not notice, but it's um, apparently the sighting of an anti-aircraft gun um, because we're because of the, because we're in the in the valley and it goes up to the uh, reservoirs, they were concerned that the Germans were going to try and bomb the dams, um, so they mounted an anti-aircraft gun here. Whereabouts? Um, well, follow this little track here on the right. Yeah, because we're yeah. going quite steeply uphill now, away from the valley, up into the woods. So we'd have given it a quite a good vantage point, presumably. Yes. And I don't know much about it. I don't know if anyone does know much about it. I don't think it was ever fired. Someone told me that if it had been fired, it probably would have taken out the village over the <laughs> other side of the valley. So it's probably just as well that <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. So just here, oh, I see. And there's a platform, isn't there, just behind this yeah, new fence. Should we leave the guitar outside? Are you going to sing the afterglow in there? Yeah, yeah, oh, fantastic. So we're climbing up right to the top of this emplacement through this narrow stairway with ivy cascading down on either side. Brambles, you might hear them on my jacket. <laughs> I just find it interesting that because it's very similar structure in a way to the factory in terms of the brick and the and the metal, but it's less atmospheric, strangely, even though we're in this beautiful wood, because there was no life here. There was just a gun. And you feel that, you know, it's fascinating, but it's a lonely place in the way the factory isn't a lonely place. It's quite a sort of welcoming place. Would this be a place to sing a song? Well, yes. I've been singing you songs from the, from songs from the floodplain and um, I recently followed that up with a with another album which sort of takes the story on I was interested in the idea of a character from that rural community going down into the city for basically a big night out bonfire night well in the yeah in in uh, in, the, in the album afterglow it's a sort of bonfire night celebration in in a, in a decaying city the last song I thought I might sing you because that's him returning from the city after spending a night with the girl that he was hoping to meet and they, they have a magical night together but then it ends and, and he has to come home and sort of back to reality. So this is his song as he climbs the hill at dawn back up to the village. Day came dawning 
And all the places warm where once you lay Before usurping dawn and prying day Came to steal my love away Just as the day was dawning When the grass is wet with dew In the pavement peeping through And the sky is fading grey to blue Under a red sun rising I will walk these lonely streets Out to where the city meets the hills that climb high up to the morning Under a red sun rising And now the songbirds sing from every spray While retreating clouds go skimming on their way Nighttime dreams melt into day under a red sun rising. And now I turn to watch the brightness grow, stare into the blinding sun because I know I'll see you in. The afterglow under a red sun rising. That's fantastic. Thank you, thank you, John. John Bowden in the Loxley Valley. Well, if you've enjoyed this episode of Folk on Fort, please tell all your friends and like or review us online so other people can find us. You can keep up with the latest news by signing up for our newsletter at folkonfoot.com. And other episodes in season two of Folk on Foot include Seth Lakeman on Dartmoor, Kerry Andrew or You Are Wolf at the Brockwell Lido, Fisherman's Friends at Port Isaac, Stick in the Wheel on the Road to Epping Forest, and Julie Fowlis on the shores of Loch Ness. What an amazing lineup. And if you haven't heard season one yet, you're in for a real treat. Six episodes featuring the young'uns, Kareem Polwart, Sam Lee, Eliza Carthy and family, Steve Knightley, and Cara Dillon, all just begging to be downloaded. Have a listen.